is going on, Patriots? Jesse from Just Say It here, bringing you episode 22, The Great Divider. I know everyone that listens and watches this show definitely 100% missed Mr. Barack Hussein Obama. Mm-mm-mm. Sometimes I remind, you know, I think of all the the sick Democrats there are, and then you're reminded when you see Obama how much all of them just fall to the wayside, and when Obama speaks, how much animosity I have towards this man. I mean, at least the other the other Democrats, you know they're snakes and they wear it on their sleeve. They don't hide it. Barack Obama stands on the pulpit and tries to pretend he's his great arbiter. He's a great uh, speaker. And he tries to hide that he's not a snake, but he is the biggest snake of them all. And look at that smile. What a snake. He's the one that smiles to your face and then stabs you in the back. So... Are you ready to get in episode 22? Let's get into it. So here we go. So Mr. Obama is back in the news for making an appearance at John Lewis's funeral. So let's get into it. Classless Obama uses John Lewis's funeral for political purposes, attacks Trump and pushes mail-in voting. So it wasn't enough. A good tragedy never goes the ways for the Democrats. We saw it with George Floyd, with the gold caskets, and Al Sharpton and everyone and their mother having like three different funeral days and talking for hours on end. Now they're doing the same thing to John Lewis and it looked like Obama squirmed his way out of the rat hole. So let's get into the clip here. I have not watched this because I wanted it to be a live reaction. So let's play it. So here's Barack Hussein Obama, Barry, delivering a speech, a eulogy at John Lewis. So let me read the tweet from Michelle here. Obama just used the funeral of dead congressmen to insult Trump and make the case for mail-in voting. He has no shame and neither do the people giving him a standing ovation. They're all going to hell. So let's hit it. Philippines in a jar in order to cast a ballot. But even as we sit here, there are those in power who are doing their darndest to discourage people from voting by closing polling locations and targeting minorities and students with restrictive ID laws and attacking our voting rights with surgical precision even undermining the postal service in the run-up to an election that's going to be dependent on mail-in ballots so people don't get sick. Now, I know this is a celebration of John's life. There are some who might say we shouldn't dwell on such things. But that's what I'm talking about. John Lewis devoted his time on this earth fighting the very 
attacks on democracy and what's best in America that we're, we're seeing circulate right now. I'm actually not that, this is the first time I watched it. Cause like I said a thousand times, I like to see the live reaction on camera for you guys. I'm not impressed. He used to, he's lose, he's lost a step. He used to be a way better speaker. He's a little rusty. Obama's a little rusty there. It started, it started, you know, he started with his little mojo and then it tapered off. He's losing a step. But let's, let's address the, uh, the mail-in voting. Yes, mail-in voting is rampant with fraud. Shaming the post office? Well, first off, the post office is bust, though. And why do we keep funding them? Because we really kind of sort of have to, kind of don't, on the certain paths that there's certain trails or routes that UPS and FedEx aren't going to want to go, and it's not going to be worth it to them just to deliver a letter. That's something to be figured out. But we shouldn't keep funding PBS and the post office that's busto and does nothing year after year to break even. Why should the American taxpayer keep funding the post office and PBS when they don't do anything to at least break even? Why should we take the hit because they don't want to run their business the right way? They can't at least break even? We're not asking them to be profitable. You can't at least break even? They've had numerous stupid, stupid policies over the year. Break even, that's the end of it. And he's just, the only thing Donald Trump has brought up is that there's going to be rampant fraud. We just had that case in New Jersey where 25%, 25% of the vote was rigged. That's a large sample size. Let's just say, even let's even take, let's take 1%. What if 1% of the vote is rigged? If it's a swing state and it's super close, that could swing the election so it's good that trump's bringing this up because we don't want to see it affect the election and what's wrong with voter id so you're complaining about trump wanting a fair election and people that should be voting should be voting he wants the only people that should be voting voting he doesn't want illegal voting he doesn't want illegal ballots so you're going against the law, Obama? I mean, it's just, it's just more of the same. All Donald Trump wants is people to follow the law and it to be a fair election. That's it. What's wrong with that? No, what did Obama do? Just like the great divider he's always been, he's the one who started this by putting uh, targets on the back of the police. He's the one who stoked racial division in this country for years. We're so racist, we elected a black president. Not me, but... We're so racist. America elected a black president, right? And he's been doing this since he held office and he doesn't, he doesn't give it up. He keeps on going about his business and he used the eulogy here to take another shot. The eulogy of John Lewis to turn another tragic death into a democratic political game commercial when is enough enough he couldn't just say what he had to say and be the bigger person and walk walk down say his prayers or say what he had to say and 
walk away. No, he had to steal the moment. He had to make it about him because he knows Biden can't do that. Biden doesn't know where he is. Did you see that recent video of him having to be walked by that whoever that person was? That person had to hold his hand. I mean, he's it's 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 out of control. So did you guys miss Obama? I sure as hell didn't. I sure as hell didn't. I hope he disappears. I hope he goes back um, onto the sidelines so we don't have to hear from him again. But unfortunately, I don't think that's going to happen because he loves seeing himself on camera. He loves getting the attention. But I do think he's lost this step. So let's get into this and then we're going to start hitting the articles. This is our picture for those of you um, listening on Spotify. We're on every single major platform, so but uh, most of our listeners listen on Spotify. So if you're listening, uh, have a picture up. Follow us on Instagram. It's a picture I did for our Instagram page. We do we post a lot of cool content on there, so check it out. And I have what do you got? One, two, three, four quotes here from Herman Cain, who sadly passed away uh, today. He died of complications of COVID. Uh, he was old. So let's let's hit this. So Herman Cain, who rose from poverty in the segregated South to become chief executive of a successful pizza chain and then thrust himself into the national spotlight by seeking a 2012 Republican presidential nomination, has died. He was 74. Now, I picked out four quotes that really struck me, and it's going to tell you, if you don't know who Herman Cain is, it's going to speak to his character. I actually got into a conversation when I was in Atlantic City. I got drunk. Um, I was supposed to play a poker tournament, but then I saw I was headed over to the poker table, but I had to pass a bar to do it in Atlantic City. And I saw this Vietnam, this guy had a Vietnam vet hat at the bar. So what did I have to do? Of course, I had to stop what I was doing and buy the guy a shot. So I sit down. You know how this story is going to end. One shot turns into like 10. <laughs> so we're talking, we're talking. I asked him about what he thought of Obama. And I said to him, I said, you know, Herman Cain should have been our first black president. And I truly believe that. And it's unfortunate that all that alleged uh, sex, sexual assault allegations um, that kept the Schmear campaign came up and then he withdrew because he didn't want his family getting attacked. And that's courageous of him. But if he would have stayed the course, maybe we would have had our first black president and it would have been uh, Herman Cain, who I believe um, what we needed, a businessman, just like Donald Trump, a strong voice, um, what we needed at the time. But maybe it was meant to be, maybe it wasn't, but let's. It would have been great to see what he could do, a uh, businessman, what he could do instead of Obama being our first black president. It would have been nice to see Herman Cain, but let's start off with the quote that is on our Instagram picture, and then we'll get into the other three that I picked out. So one of Herman Cain's quotes, don't blame Wall Street, don't blame the big banks. If you don't have a job and you're not rich, blame yourself. So basically that is, a, take accountability. What do you want in life? What what do you want to get out of life and what do you want to be? A lot of that, for the most part, is in your own, in your own hands. You, um, you can't control the hand that you're dealt, but you control how you play it. So not everyone has a great start, but it doesn't mean you have to finish that way. 
and some people that start really good uh take that for granted end up in the bottom it doesn't mean they can't come back out they can't get a new hand so um i totally believe that a lot of the time you justify not having something because you can't obtain it and why bother trying but effort goes a long way so let's get this stems into another one of his quotes so let's get into another one of his quotes people sometimes hold themselves back because they want to use racism as an excuse for them not being able to achieve what they want to achieve right so there i think he's talking about um he's upset with the black community and how sometimes oh yeah man i can't get to the top because i'm black you know, I'll, I'm never going to get there. This, you know, systematic racism and, the, you know, they got it out for me. I'll never get there. Well, instead of using that as a crutch, try turning that around saying, you know what? I could do whatever. I'm going to beat the odds. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. If I put my mind to it, I can get there. And that's really Herman Cain saying, hey, look at me. I didn't come from a lot. I'm a black. I'm a strong black man. If I can do it, you can do it. That's really, that quote to me is him crying out saying, hey, wake up. But sometimes in life, you know, you can take a horse to the water, but you can't make a drink. So not everyone's the same and not every, uh, but what there should be is equal opportunity, not equal outcomes. But let's get into his other quote. My motivation for running for Senate was not for the stature of being a senator. Unlike most people nowadays, most of these people want to be on TV, as we saw, we, we see all the time with Pelosi, we see with Naller, we see with Schiff, we see with Schumer. So my motivation for running for Senate was not the stature of being a senator, but because I wanted to make a difference on issues that I feel passionate about. We need more people like Herman Cain in politics. We need people that want to be in politics to do good, not so they can get a five-second clip on TV every single week. And it's unfortunate a lot of these, a lot of these uh, Democrats too. They just want to be on TV. You know, Nancy Pelosi's always up there. You know, smiling in the camera. You know, la laughing. Schumer's always grandstanding. Now Cuomo thinks he's a uh, he's the talk of the town. And you had a uh, Del Camio going off, painting Black Lives Matter in the street. I mean. A lot Gretchen, you had Gretchen in uh, Michigan. You can go on and on and on. Gavin Newsom, California. A lot of these people get into it for the wrong reasons, for power and for fame. And that's not what you should be doing. You should be doing it like what Herman Cain said. So let's get into the last quote here from Herman Cain. African Americans have been brainwashed into not being open-minded, not even considering a conservative point of view. I have received some of that same vitriol simply because I am running for the Republican nomination as a conservative. So it's just brainwashing and not and people not being open minded, pure and simple. So because he's a Democrat, he's talking about black people staying on the Democrat plant, the mental Democrat plantation. Uh, you don't have to vote Democrat. You should vote. You should take account both sides and decide who's best for the job and vote for that person and what aligns most with what you believe in and that can sway from the time you're younger to you're older back and forth you shouldn't just vote for a party just because it's blue or red you should vote for who's the best person for the job and that's how i try to vote 
and you shouldn't just vote because you're you shouldn't just do what you're told you should think you should get opposing views and then break it down and see what you want to do you got to pull the information together and then make a choice do not be a sheep do not vote a certain way because your family votes a certain way. Do not vote in a certain way because CNN tells you to vote in a certain way because Fox tells you a certain way. Take all the information together and then make an educated decision. That's pretty much how you should do everything in life. So Herman Cain was really speaking to that. And you could tell in that quote how much it bothered him that people just do things just because and they really don't have an answer for it. That's why when you, it's frustrating when they interview these Antifa kids and a lot of people, oh, can you point to these states on the map? Nope. Oh, Antifa, why are you tearing down this statue? Why are you doing this? Oh, just because. I don't know. Ah, because. Groupthink and herd mentality is a problem, and it's got to stop. And shout out to Herman Cain and his family. Um, pretty upsetting because he was one of the good guys. Um, there's not a lot of people that I see in Congress or the Senate when I can watch them time and time again and look at them and decipher whether or not they're saying or doing things for the right reason. Herman Cain, though, was one of those guys. I think he would have been a good president. I think he was a good person. And we were blessed to have him on the Republican side. I mean, it doesn't really matter what side any of these people are on as long as they're doing the right thing. I don't care what side they're on. So... Uh, sorry to his family for his loss. We lost the great one there. So trying to switch over from that. I hope you guys enjoyed the picture I made there. So let's get into our articles here. What we do best. And we're going to kick it off with a New York Post article here. So let's get into it. Fraud is in the news again. Are you surprised? Another guy who can't help but stay in the limelight. I swear sometimes he just does things to get attention. I don't swear. I know for a fact he does it. So here we go again. This time he's stepping over out of bounds again. So here we go. New York Post. Fauci urges Americans to wear goggles for added COVID-19 protection. You heard that right. Now he's suggesting you should wear goggles. Let's get into it. Dr. Anthony Frauci suggests that people wear goggles or face shields as an added measure of protection against contracting the COVID-19 virus, according to a report. If you have goggles or an eye shield, you should use it, Fauci79 said, the top U.S. infectious disease expert. When asked if eye protection will become a formal recommendation at some point, uh-oh, it might if you really want perfect protection of the mucosal surfaces, Fauci, a member of the White House Pandemic Task Force and a director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases explained the rationale for the measure. You have mucosa in the nose, mucosa in the mouth, but you also have, I'm assuming this is mucus in the eye. Theoretically, you should protect all the mucosal services. If you have goggles or an eye shield, you should use it. He added that while goggles and eye shield, eye or face shields are not universe, 
highly recommended at this time. If you really want to be complete, you should probably use it if you can. Fauci also addressed when people should get tested if they believe they've been exposed to the bug, since there are no official guidelines from the Center of Disease Control and Prevention or the National Institutes of Health on the matter. That question came up at the task force meeting yesterday, and we asked the same thing, and we said there's no real recommendation. While the doctor also discussed hydroxychloroquine, saying in an interview on MSNBC that all the valid scientific data show the drug is not effective in treating COVID. So let's get into this next article here. Tyler Perry. This is a Breitbart article. Tyler Perry on defund the police push. I think we need more, please. Oh, that's refreshing, isn't it? So Wednesday on CNN's Anderson Cooper 360, movie mogul and actor Tyler Perry expresses concerns over the so-called defund, defund the police protests around the country. Perry indicated he was worried the message was being hijacked for the sake of politics. No kidding. And in wake of George Floyd's death while in custody of the Minnesota police. So when they saw George Floyd's death... This horrific, horrible death played out as a man pleaded for his life and begged and said, please, many, many times, seeing it changes everything. We've said many times it was disgusting how he died. So I became very, very optimistic when everybody galvanized together because I know that's when change comes. When, we, when people galvanize and come together as one, that's when change happens. But lately, I've been very, very concerned that the message is being hijacked by some other groups or political ads and parties that are trying to stop the message of what we're asking for. Here as police reform, right? Perry continues, so yeah, I was, but I'm worried now because of what I'm saying. So at least he's being honest. He's being honest. At first, there was a couple of peaceful protests. Then it got ugly and it got ugly super fast. Perry also spoke about paying for supermarket supermarket gift cards for the Atlanta police to hand out at a Kroger grocery store on the heels of the Richard Brooks death. When posed the question about political backlash generated from protesters calling for the defunding of the police, Perry stressed his view that police were a necessity. No kidding. What would you do without police? So he said as follows. Well, when I first heard it, I was troubled by it. And I thought, okay, this, this is going to be weaponized in this political year. I completely thought that that was happening. That's exactly what has happened. It's been weaponized. But I did some research and I would like to challenge, what I would like to do is challenge people to do research and find out what it means. Now you've got to understand this. I'm not for taking money from the police department. I think we need more police. My studio is in a neighborhood where I think we need police. But we don't need police that have, that are undertrained. And you've got to understand, I have really close friends who are cops that I love dearly, who are really good people, who have been very, very hurt by this as well. And here's what I want you to understand, Anderson. Wrong. Where there is, where there is wrong, I'm going to stand up against it. When Rashad Brooks was murdered, I thought that was wrong. I don't agree with that. I think he was just, I don't think he should have died, but he was justifi justifiably shot. When George Floyd was murdered, I thought that was wrong. Correct. That was 100% wrong. Like so many other people, but when a police officer who was white in a suburb in Atlanta was shot in the head by a shoplifter, I thought that was wrong too. 
and I reached out to do what I could do for family. At least he's saying what's honest. I don't agree with him on Rashad Brooks, but uh, he's saying at least he's being honest. And the problem is we don't have these conversations. People just shut up and are scared to say anything. What he's saying, whether I don't, I don't agree with it all, but it's good that he's having this conversation and he's not shouting. He's not being demeaning. He's not throwing around divisive words. He's just saying how he feels and he's doing it in an appropriate fashion. This is what needs to be done. When an eight-year-old girl was shot near the Wendy's in her mother's backseat, I thought that was wrong too. So any so anywhere there is wrong, I'm going to stand up against it. Good, you should. Regardless of religion, race, what have you. I just don't believe that. And I believe in most, I don't believe that there are lots of people. Let me just change that to, to understand that there are a lot of people in America who feel the way I do, right? I think we need police. I know that I need police. I have several that work for me here at the studio. We need them, but we need them reformed. We need them trained well. We need the right structure, right? But some of the things inside the defund the police, I really understand like having officers who are clinically trained to deal with certain situations. I think all those things are helpful, but taking money away from the police department to make the police department smaller, that troubles me because it's common sense. Lack of fun, less funding is not going to get you better cops. Vilifying police isn't going to get you better police. We need police reform. We need better training. And guess what? You can train 100%. It doesn't matter. People aren't perfect. Nobody is perfect. So no matter how good the training is, while I do agree we need better training, I think everybody does, you're never going to rule out every single situation police i don't know if you've ever seen the videos of how quick a gun comes out and things can change super fast police have to make decisions in split a split second and they are life or death situations it is extremely easy for someone to sit and watch tape in slow motion when there's no chance of them dying doing it and say what should have been done. You are not the cop. Your life was not in jeopardy. You're not the one who possibly is going to lose your life or even worse, your kid is going to you're going to your kid's going to grow up without a father, without a parent, without a mother, whatever have you. He is the one in that situation. Stop quarterbacking these cops after the point and do everything you can to support them and put them in a position where they can succeed to do anything else is only going to make this crap happen more it's so easy for everyone else to look like a saint because they don't have a camera in their face 24 7 let's see you do their job period without being videotaped and then let's see you do their job while being videotaped and shown all over the media 24-7. And even if they do the right thing, they're vilified. Support the police. Get rid of the bad ones. And build up the good ones. Go into these communities. And, you know, toys for tots, donations, Christmases with people in... Poor communities, donations, everybody can do this together. Stop 
vilifying the police. Stop the defund the police movement. It's never going to work. It's never going to work. It's made things worse in Chicago. It's made things worse in Portland. It's made things worse in Seattle, in New York. It doesn't do anything but make matters worse. Give it up and thank God we have people like Tyler Perry as a strong black man speaking out saying, hey, do what's right. No matter what the race is, I don't care who it is. I'm on the side of doing things right. So good for him. About time someone said it and it's about time someone challenged CNN and squashed their narrative. So, let's get into this New York Post article. And I posted this on Twitter because I bet the left isn't going to promote this black person. Let's get into this. Madeline Swiegel becomes first U.S. Navy black female fighter pilot. Pretty darn cool here. Let's get into this. A Virginia native has made history becoming the U.S. Navy's first black female fighter pilot. Lieutenant Madeline Swiegel looks like to me. I'm awful with words, but that's what it looks like to me. We'll celebrate her historic achievement on Friday when she is scheduled to receive her wings of gold, CBS News reported. Swiegel, in a promotional video released by the Navy, said she was inspired to become a fighter pilot after her parents took her to see displays from the Blue Angels as a kid. My parents raised me and they told me I could be anything, whatever I wanted to be. We would go see the Blue Angels when they were in town, she said. They were just so cool. I love them. I love fast planes. Swiegel said she hadn't known she would be the first black woman to reach such heights in the Navy's 110 years of aviation and stressed representation is important because we are very we are a very diverse nation. I don't think the goal in my life is to necessarily be the first at anything, Swiegel added. That was never something I set out to do. It was just something I was interested in and found out later. The Navy first permitted women to fly military aircraft in 1973 when aviation pioneer Rosemary Mariner and six other women were given their wings. Swiegel said that she had not flown before her daunting three-year training and found the exhilaration to be unmatched. It took a lot of fighting the aircraft to figure out how it was going to perform, she said. Looking back, it's amazing to think about where I started, and I had never been in an airplane before, so it was just one step at a time, Swiegel added. It's really cool to think of all the things I've done now, which I've never thought I'd be able to do. Only in the USA. Women are still underrepresented among both naval and commercial aviators, according to a 2018 report from Pensacola News Journal. The Navy features 765 female pilots. Wow, that's a lot. About less than 7% of its pilots across the ranks the Florida outlet found. Matthew Mayer, the Navy's commanding officer of training, said he was too surprised that there had not been a black woman before Swiegel and that it was a long time coming. He added that the Navy hadn't confirmed the fact until Swiegel had just a few flights remaining in her training. I hope that it inspires far more women and people of all kinds of diverse backgrounds to look at this as a great career choice. 
Mayer said, it doesn't matter who you are, what you look like, where you came from. Once you have the uniform on, we are all on the same team. and We are all trying to accomplish the same mission. Does it get a better news article than that? Don't you wish this is all you saw on TV? Don't you wish this is all you read? What a great story. This is what needs to be. I hope kids in school are reading and learning about this article. Um, when I was in school, I used to learn about current events. This should be plastered everywhere. What a role model. What a great example of what America is. This is what America is. Not the stuff, not what the left portrays it to be. We are not divided like they say we are. So good for her. Congratulations. Whether she was the first or not, congratulations to her. Look at this picture of her smiling. Good for her. Um have no problem with women in military as long as they don't lower the criteria of what they need to do in comparison to the men as long as they have equal standards i don't think women should have it easier i think it should be the same test physical whatever have you if they can't do it they can't do it but if they can they should be allowed to and good for them good for her congrats great great beautiful story there so let's transition here into the gateway pundit like i said always one of our favorite news sources we got this and one more left so here we go Notre dame withdraws from hosting presidential debate due to concerns over covid19 like we didn't see this coming like we didn't know joe Biden was going to try and wiggle his way out of something else so let's get into this article. Notre Dame on Monday withdrew from hosting a presidential debate scheduled for September 29th due to concerns over COVID-19. Notre Dame announced at their consultation with Dr. Mark Fox, St. Joseph County Deputy Health Officer, and with the unanimous support of Executive Committee of the University's Board of Trustees, Father Jenkins made what he called this difficult decision because of the necessity necessary health precautions would have greatly diminished the educational value of hosting the debate on our campus. I am grateful to the many members of the university community, community who have devoted countless hours planning this event and to the Commission on the Presidential Debates Leadership for their professionalism and understanding, said Reverend John Jenkins, the president of Notre Dame in a statement. But in the end, the constraints, the COVID-19 pandemic put on the event, as understandable and necessary as they are, have led us to withdraw. The debate will now take place at Chase Western Reserve University in Cleveland. At least they found someplace else already. Good. We are honored to host this presidential debate at our shared health education campus. Cleveland Clinic CEO and President Tom Michalovic and Case Western Reserve President Barbara Schneider said in a joint statement, This pandemic has highlighted the critical importance of healthcare and scientific discovery in unprecedented ways. To have the presidential candidates discuss these issues in our innovative learning space represents a tremendous opportunity for both institutions and our entire region, they said. Many now are doubting whether Biden will debate President Trump at all. And I said this on Twitter. I think he's going to keep trying to wiggle out of this. I don't think he will debate him live. Maybe he'll debate him virtually or he'll debate him live 
behind the camera with an earpiece in and people are going to be whispering him crap. There's no way he's going to debate him live in person. It's not going to happen because he can't function. He can't function. It's to the point we need to wonder if Joe Biden wipes his own ass. It's to that point. I'm not even kidding. I am not kidding. It's to the point we need to worry. Joe Biden wipes his own. Do you think he does? Let me know. So Biden won't even sit down for a softball interview with psychophantic Fox News anchor Chris Wallace, right? If you saw the meme we posted on our Facebook page, uh, is Chris Wallace gone yet? You see uh, Biden coming out of the basement. That's hilarious. 77-year-old, that is old. Joe Biden also won't take candid questions from reporters, so it's unlikely he will actually get in the ring with President Trump. Yeah, any question he happens to take from a reporter, he's got the reporter's name and he calls on the reporter ahead of time. And Joe Biden the other day, he gave a speech in uh, Delaware. He didn't know where the hell he was. He didn't know where he was. He said, oh, I'm just kidding. Right, buddy. Just like you were kidding when you said, oh, you ain't, you ain't black. <laughs> so what a you-know-what show. I mean, do you think uh, Biden's going to debate? I highly doubt it. And if it if he does, it's not going to be in person. 100%. He doesn't have the stones. Trump will eviscerate him. So let's get into this last article, a Breitbart article. And this is, talks about one of the reasons why I started this show. So let's get into it. Stephen Miller can't, says, cancel culture seeks to silence to silence the majority. So cancel culture is a very grave threat to American freedom. White House aide Stephen Miller told Larry O'Connor radio show shortly after Cato Institute survey showed that most Americans are silencing themselves amid online hostility, right? Most people don't admit they vote for Trump. Most people won't like some of my posts because other people are going to see that they like Trump. Most people don't want to be attacked. They want to go about their day and they don't want to be harassed. Because what do the psycho lefts do? If you like Donald Trump, they shout you into non-existence. They're pathetic and they're losers. The share of moderates who, who self-censor increased 7 points from 50%, 57% to 64%. And the share of conservatives rose from 70% to 77%, also a seven-point increase, according to Cato's July survey. Strong conservatives are the only group with little change, right? They are about as likely 77% to say they hold back their views, as in pretty much the same as in 2017. This cancel culture is intended to silence ordinary Americans, Miller told O'Connor on July 24th. It is an effort at making people so afraid to speak their minds that a minority of radicals can effectively intimidate a major, a majority of common sense Americans. And that's often how totalitarianism functions. If you can scare people at saying things they know to be true, and then you can even deprive them of language to express themselves, not illegal aliens, but un documented americans right not rioters and anarchists but peaceful protesters right when you take away people's language and then you punish them severely and eviscerate them for saying things that we all know to be true it's possible for a minority of people to effectively bully the majority into acquiescence that must be fought 
against above virtually any other objective we have right now. Very true. The silent majority of Americans must refuse to be silent, Miller said. Miller spoke the day before pro-migration advocates picketed the Virginia home of Chad Wolf, the acting secretary of the Department of Homeland Defense. The Cato survey does not explain why people feel threatened, said Emily Ekins, director of polling at Cato Institute. We don't know because they are afraid to tell us, she said. She told Breitbart News. Black, white, racial differences do not explain the trend, she said, partly because the survey shows increased concerns among Latino and black Americans as well. Cato's port report noted, self-censorship is widespread across demographic groups as well. Nearly two-thirds of Latinos and white Americans and nearly half of African Americans have political views they are afraid to share. Majorities of men and women, people with incomes over $100,000, and people with incomes less than $20,000, people under 35, and people over 65, religious and non-religious, all agree that political climate prevents them from expressing their true beliefs. That is a vast majority of people. And like I said, that is one of the reasons why I started the show, because you can't keep it in. You have to say what's right. Because it's going to eat you up inside. And that's what they want to happen. They don't want people to talk. They want to. They want you to be scared into voting the opposite way. They want you to be scared into turning the other cheek and looking away. They want you to look away as America burns. As they light America on fire and destroy religion, destroy God, destroy our statues, destroy our history. They want you to look away and be okay with it. That's how they win. A July survey showed that cancel culture has its strongest support among liberal men, of course. It is most strongly supported by people who are worried about the economy, healthcare, or retirement, rather than issues about feminism, diversity, or environment. But Americans may be able to overcome the concerns if they recognize how many other people share their opinions. People need to discover that other people feel like they do. If more people felt like, hey, I'm not the only one who feels that way, and they discover that other people have this fear, then they might express their point of view. I agree, and I started to notice after doing the show, more and people in my circle and more people that follow me are starting to get say a little, open up a little bit more, and that's good. I don't care. I'll take the brunt of it. I don't care. I'm not going to sit by and let this stuff happen. I've had enough of it. What they did and hijack George Floyd. That was enough for me. It was time to stand up, and stand up we will. So here we go. This is a tweet from Neil Murano. Monroe, excuse me. Cancel culture is supported by people most worried about... Okay, that's they're just quoting what they said. So I totally agree. We need to have a change. This is like anything else. If I do it and you see me doing it, you feel more comfortable doing it. Just like if you hold the door for someone and smile when you see somebody, it's a chain reaction. Oh, he was nice to me. I'm going to be nice to that person. Be the change you want to see in the world. It starts with you. If you want things done a certain way, it starts with you. Be the example you want the world to be. Because if you don't do it, how can you expect anyone else to do it? So I'm doing my part here. I don't want to meddle for it, but I hope it helps you do your part. So 
thanks for hanging out. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, we will see. We missed an episode this week because of my mother in the ER. Usually we do three a week. This week we this week we only got around to two, and it's already late Thursday night. Really Friday morning. It's about four a.m. now. So enjoy your weekend. Have a great weekend. Relax. No news. Stay away from the news. And we'll be back bright and early Monday to hang out with you guys again. Have a great weekend, Patriots. We will see you shortly.